welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Nigel Harris, a medical sales professional from Winchester who recently underwent HIFU treatment with Tim Dutteridge. He leads a very active sporting life, particularly on the ice, where he both plays and coaches ice hockey. And following his prostate cancer diagnosis, he was intent on finding a treatment that wouldn't compromise his lifestyle. As he describes as his personal motto, there's still much to do and to see. He's joined me today to discuss his experience. Nigel, thanks so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm very motivated by the wonderful photo you sent to me of you in full hockey gear on the ice, which I'm going to share with our listeners. First of all, congratulations on and you know wonderful success on on your treatment and on your big ice hockey success as well. Um, how did you learn about Haifu and and tell us a little bit about your experience with that? It was a bit of a bit of a surprise, and you're probably going to be the only person you ever hear saying thank goodness for kidney stones, um, <laughs> because I was under treatment for kidney stones, and um, after the last washout I had. Uh, the consultant came back to me afterwards and said, I really would like to have you go through a full screen with some dye. So, no, with my background, uh, because although I'm a medical sales professional, I started mm -hmm. off as, a, as an operating theatre technician, mm -hmm. uh, these days called ODPs. Um, so I had a little bit of background and understanding and thought, this does sound a little bit suspicious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, the first thing I did was said absolutely uh, no problem at all. So we went through the MRI scan. After that, there was a couple of weeks and I was phoned up by Rob Keane, the Macmillan nurse, um, who himself has gone through prostate cancer. And uh, he let me know that I had prostate cancer. It, it was lucky because it was early diagnosis. It confirmed what I'd already expected, but Obviously, you hope it's not. And um, at that point, Rob gave me options for a treatment proceeding, you know, post, post this, where, where do we go from here? As you said, I, I've got a fairly active life. Uh, I, I'm 68. I'm still working and uh, enjoy the hockey, enjoy skiing and enjoy diving and um, haven't planned on giving up and clocking out yet. So <laughs> I, I wanted to uh, review everything. So he basically told me what was available from the full gland therapy, which didn't sound too good. And what I do, I understand exactly what it is. And obviously, I've seen gland therapy done uh, the old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. uh, then I uh, was going on to all brachiotherapy, uh, radiotherapy and, and all the others. And all of them appear to have significant drawbacks not that they don't work of course they do work and, it, and it's important that they do and you, you have a, a fallback but all of them appear to have significant issues in terms of what happens afterwards mm -hmm. and if you're fit you're healthy and you're looking to carry on pretty much as you did mm -hmm. you, you've got to consider the things like haifu once i was told about it i did know i, I Googled it, did a bit of research. I came up with a paper that Tim Dudridge and his colleagues had written. Although mm -hmm. my math isn't wonderful, I went through it. And it seemed to me to give very much similar outcomes to full gland therapy, but without all of the issues that mm -hmm. the 
potentially can go with it. Now, not everyone has all of the issues that go with any procedure, but let, let's be honest, there are potential procedures whenever you break the skin, which is why when I went back to see the consultant, um, now my first thought was, well, if it is, as I said, it was a, a, a Gleason 3 plus 3, and um, the, the previous consultant had already suggested that it might be best for me if we, if we just do active surveillance. Mm -hmm. and, and that was my first and, and best thought, you know, active surveillance, that sounds good. Keep on giving a bit of blood every few months and we'll mm -hmm. see where it goes. However, Mr. Dudridge said after I'd had the biopsy, which I forgot to mention, there were quite a significant lump on one side, although fortunately it was still contained, and a very small lesion on, on the other side. And, and his thoughts were, it's far better to be active and proactive on this. So he said, well, these are you went, went through all of the options again. So I said, well, do you want time to think about it? And I said, no, I've made my mind up. I'm going to go for Haifu. He said, no time at all to think. No, I've made a decision. That's the way I want to go. Uh, because the other thing he said, which is also quite important and people really do need to consider, is that it's not a one-off treatment. It can be repeated if things happen, you mm -hmm. know, if you get unlucky. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, in almost every case, it's a no-brainer. Why would you go through an open procedure? Why, why would you have brachiotherapy unless it was absolutely necessary? You know, when you can't go and cuddle your grandchildren for, for three months. Or, Indeed. Or the, in, in the, this year has been slightly different, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but normally that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, How long did it take between your initial decision and consultation with, um, with Tim to actually undergo the procedure? Well, I, I'm guessing I was very lucky uh, because I learned of the procedure. Um, it was, I think it was like the 1st of May and had the procedure on the 1st of June. Okay. So that was relatively fast and, and, um, and things have very, gone very well. Fast. Yeah. What I didn't tell him, of course, was uh, <laughs> was I planned on playing ice hockey 12 days afterwards. And did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, what was funny, uh, being, being a coach, I, um, I coached uh, medical students from Southampton University along with other students. And one of the medical students uh, just happened to be uh, on Tim Dudridge's team. Um, oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> and, and she was chatting to me about it because she, she knew who I was. Yeah. Um, but she grasped me out. <laughs> she wow. Told Bad boy, you're on the ice. Yeah. yeah, so so fortunately, um, he said, well, if he feels fit enough, that's okay by me. Yeah. It's not like it's an open procedure. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest, if it had been an open procedure or anything else, it would have been I, absolutely no chance of me playing. Yeah, no, I, and I think, um, you know, that leads me to sort of another question about your own experience and expertise in medical technology. You know, that gives you, I guess, sort of um, a specialist knowledge and perspective on both the risks and the benefits of new technologies in healthcare. So I'm wondering how that informed your decision and how you would describe these to men considering high food treatment. You know, what are the risks and benefits that you, based on your own personal experience and your professional experience, understand well and would like to share? Obviously, technology is improving all the time. I mean, when I left the health service in, in 1983, you know, there was a, 
just to give you an idea, cataracts, um, people used to lie in bed for six days and not move. Now they walk in and out. Yeah. So significant strides have been made with all forms of technology. And the fact that you can now do, well, you, using ultrasound to, to ablate tissue um, is incredibly well thought out because you're not going to uh, be damaging the patient per se. Mm -hmm. uh, the sound energy is, is focused on exactly what needs to be done. And clearly, when you see the advantage of all types of ultrasound now, I mean, when my first son was born, you could barely make out a skeleton uh, with, with the ultrasound. Now you can see a full full body. And, mm -hmm. and the advances are absolutely amazing. So what you've got to consider, I think, is what's the survival rate? Five years. Is it as good as you're looking at uh, with, with, with the full gland um, treatment? So if it is, if it's something that feel that is appropriate for you, and, and I can say it for me, mm -hmm. it is appropriate, but it may not be for other people. If they don't want to look at the um, advantages or, or, or they've got other issues that they, they want to consider. But, you know, just using heat uh, from the outside body, not entering the body itself, it's got to be the way forward. And say it's offering a high survival rate, um, if you're in a you know a, a younger person, and let's be honest, sixty these days isn't old. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the working age has now been put up to sixty-seven for most people, so that's another two years on. And mm -hmm. um, so, so you really do want to to stay as active as you possibly can. And and I'm fairly certain that e even in ten years' time, this procedure will be significantly advanced from where it is now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things you mentioned earlier in um, informing your decision were the, the side effects or the, the, the lack thereof that this treatment would afford you. One of the things that I find um, with our patients is that the, the very fact that they're having this conversation or this discussion with the doctor about HIFU usually means that they address the, the so-called taboos of prostate cancer, like sexual dysfunction and, and urinary dysfunction. Um, and I'm wondering how that played out in your discussions with Tim and with family members. Did it, did it make it easier to talk about the whole situation you were in with your prostate cancer diagnosis and why this treatment was preferable? Well, as I said before, I, I'm still working. I enjoy my job. I've been out today down to a, a hospital in Wales to look at uh, some, some opportunities down there and came back. If you consider, uh, let, let's forget the sexual side of it at the moment. Let's just, let's consider the continent side of it. Mm -hmm. If, if you have a degree of incontinence, it can be managed, but it's not great. I understand that, um, you know, you can use leg bags if, if you have a, a degree of incontinence, but it's something that's going to play on your mind. Um, mm -hmm. There's no question about it. If you've got fecal incontinence, that's even worse because you, you've got to wear nappies. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, you're still alive, but you've got to look at your quality of life. And, and that's where... For me, I like to dive. I like to ski. I like to muck around on the ice with students and try and coach them some ice hockey. Mm -hmm. I like to ride motorcycles. All of these things would be much less easy if you have the incontinence. And however good the surgeon is, there is still far more of a chance uh, that you will get some of these um, side effects mm. 
because it's a, a very innovated area, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying any surgeon um, is going to turn around to you and say, no, I can do this w w without or, or they have to be pragmatic about it. There is a, you know, there's a fairly high chance if you're going for full gland therapy that you will end up with one or maybe more of the side effects. Yeah. Um, and I think with full gland therapy, uh, I'm, I didn't actually go around and look at the st statistics, but if you do have want anything of a sex life, then you are very likely not to be able to maintain a, an erection. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure whether you could manage it with Pfizer's miracle drug or yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but you have to consider it. I mean, my, my guessing is, is that you've really got to see where you are. I mean, with three plus three or even a three plus four Gleason, you've got far more options mm -hmm. um, to, to consider than you, than you maybe, you know, when I was in theatre, um, you know, there, there were probably very few options then, maybe cesium um, seeds, uh, radiotherapy and full gland therapy. That mm -hmm. may well have been it. Yeah. And of course, you've got it, with that, you, you've got the issues of the, the hormone therapy afterwards. And, and that um, a friend of mine went through that. He, he was diagnosed in 2007 and he actually had to stop his hormone therapy because, as he said, it's turning him to a, a very ugly woman. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. He didn't really. I mean, fortunately, he's, he's still alive now and he, he's OK. But even so, he went through that and it was a very unpleasant time for him. Mm hmm. I've also got to say that my company was very, very supportive. Um, I had a colleague that went through bowel cancer and he was great to talk with, to be honest with you. Um, so that was helpful. Um, my children, I've got three boys. Well, I'll say three boys. Um, <laughs> three young men. Yeah, yeah well, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Four, 40, 36 and 35. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, the important thing for me to then w w was to let them know that they're now they they have to be more vigilant because Indeed. obviously with, with someone in in the family uh, it's something that they need to be aware of and in fact their grandfather not my father but my wife's father had had prostate cancer so okay um, it seems to be quite a number of people I've I've heard of now that are willing to say they've had it or, or we know they've had it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you rightly say it's a very very um prolific cancer and, mm. and clearly needs to be discussed more there's a lot of it around and you, know, you see people wearing the little men badges yes um, which which is also uh, good to, to know that people are wearing those so you can talk with them yeah. I mean, one of the things that I found interesting in, in talking to you earlier was how well you understand the costs and the benefits of HIFU treatment to, to individuals. And you've discussed quite openly about the side effects and the options that men would have, especially with, if they have early stage, as you did. But I'm also wondering, again, sort of wearing your professional hat, if you can comment on how you see some of those costs and benefits playing out um, in the healthcare system. I mean, do, do you see this as a long term economic advantage for the NHS or other health providers, given, given your experience? Yeah. There has to be. There has to be. With cataracts, 30, 40 years ago, you were laying on your back for six days. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you walk in and out. So let, let's look the same thing. I, I, I was in hospital overnight. Um, there is a cost to every bed. I don't know what that cost is, um, but I know it's not cheap. 
and and if you have to go into an intensive care unit bed it is magnified by a factor of 10 to 20 yeah uh, that cost so every day that you're in hospital is a massive drain on the nhs so day procedures or or overnight at most has to be the way forward mm-hmm. and the major way to do that is is to try and not go through the skin mm-hmm. if if you can do something without going through the skin you are not breaching the main body's defenses to infection and anything like that mm-hmm. and and there's no bleeding there's no uh, stitching to to be worried about this is a massive advantage mm-hmm. um However, you know, when we start looking at, at, at open procedures, even keyhole procedures, mm-hmm. there, there's always a potential for something to go, go wrong. There's always a potential for infection. Now, obviously, everything is done to mitigate that risk. We know that. I know that. I deal with machines that, that decontaminate and, and reprocess these instruments, these mm-hmm. robotic instruments. But there's always some kind of a risk. Um, and, and you, you've got to be in a position to then look at if you're going to go for a, an open procedure, which is fine if that's what you want to do. And, 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 and it has, without question, it's the highest benefit that you can go for. You, you have to look at your recovery. It's not going to be as quick as it is with um, something like HIFU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if, you're a, if you're a working person, and, and you know, let's be honest, um, you don't have to be that old to have a, a prostate cancer. It can get younger people. So if you want to be working, you, your working life will be extended significantly if you go for the radiotherapy, the brachiotherapy, uh, the keyhole surgery. Whereas HIFU, apart from um, you know a day or so to uh, recover, um, you know I, I did have a, a week off work. In all fairness, the, the boss insisted. Um, but I could really have, have, have gone back a couple of days afterwards. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't not something that you need to um, consider yeah. that's going to be an issue. So the quicker you're in and out of hospital, the, the, the quicker your recovery, there's a massive, massive reduction in cost to everyone, not just the health service, but yourself, your, company, your family, of course, family. Mm. No, I, I definitely think that's, um, a big advantage and in, in you're sort of the living embodiment of that really and you know as a sort of a final point what what advice would you give to men who are newly diagnosed with prostate cancer on on how they might explore their treatment options right it's an interesting one uh, my first thought is this um i'm a great douglas adams fan don't panic yeah i yeah, okay. I had a fair idea of what was going through for me, but if I'd not had that background, um, obviously the first thing you're going to do is start thinking, I've got cancer. Yeah. And how long have I got? Yeah. So yeah. don't panic. Start using your resources and research the options. I know that's probably easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously I've got some background in looking into research, but, you know, Talk to the Macmillan nurses, talk to your doctors, your family doctors, use the research um, and read, you read the papers they offer you. Mm-hmm. That, that is important to understand all types of therapy that are there. Then, I, I, mean, I mean, I get this sounds very trite, but yeah, make a personal risk assessment. What do you feel 
is the most risk and how do you feel that you would be affected by it? Mm. So if you're very risk averse and, you, and you, you're very concerned about everything, you might well say, okay, I want the whole gland out. Yeah. I'm done with it. Get rid of it. If you are prepared uh, to have a slightly less risk, uh, or slightly more risk rather, and they say it's only very slightly, um, then HIFU is the way forward. Mm. It has to be the way forward. Mm. Mm. And as we said before, it can be repeated. It's not a one-off. That, that's the great thing about it. Yeah, it really it's a very is. important point. Very important point. Um, <sighs> Nigel, I just want to thank you very much for, for coming along and speaking with me. Some of the things you said, I think, will be extremely helpful to, to men and, and to their families. Um, and um, thanks again very much, and congratulations on your success. Thank you very much. That was my last point I was going to make, I don't know whether it will help anyone, but yes, you can play in an ice hockey match 12 days post season. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing you'll be able to skate. <laughs> your photo's living proof of that. So we'll look forward to people's comments on that. So th thanks very much again. My pleasure. Further information on high food treatment is available on our website, along with a transcript of this interview and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time. Mm -hmm.